Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This episode of The Brand is Female is brought to you by Visa Canada. Visa Canada is a longtime supporter of women-owned small businesses. And as a small business owner myself, I was really excited to hear about Visa Canada's She's Next grant program in partnership with iFundWomen. Since launch, 30 women entrepreneurs in the country were provided with 10K each in funding and business coaching to help with the expansion of their businesses and further their business goals. I love that Visa Canada strives to encourage women small business owners as they build, sustain, and grow their small businesses. Congratulations to Tommy Gbelier-Curtis, founder of MFMG Cosmetics, Elaine Long, founder of C-Smart, and Bunny Getrora, founder of Bloom, who received grant funding and an iPhone Women coaching membership to drive their businesses forward. Small businesses are the backbone of Canada's economy and are vital to sustaining local communities. Visa Canada encourages all Canadians to shop local and provide the crucial support small businesses need as they continue to recover from the pandemic. Visit ifundwomen.com slash visa dash Canada to learn more about the Cheese Next grant program. Support the recipients and find them on Instagram at visa.ca. This week, my guest is Stacey Madge, country manager and president for Visa Canada. Stacey has been a trailblazer in the banking world, climbing up the ladder quickly and demonstrating her leadership in an industry where women tend to be underrepresented at the senior executive level. She previously worked as an executive for Scotiabank's International Banking Group, overseeing retail and small business across 30 Latin American and Caribbean markets, as well as a consultant for McKinsey earlier in her career. In each of her roles, Stacey has made sure to dedicate her time and energy to building programs that benefit women with and outside the workplace, including the She's Next grant program at Visa. Stacey is a board member for multiple organizations, as well as a member of the Coalition of Innovation Leaders Against Racism. She actively supports Queen's University in support of BIPOC students and women. Here is our conversation. Stacey, it's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I typically start these conversations by asking my guests to go back in time a little bit. So I'm curious to ask you, growing up, what did you envision as a career for yourself later in life? And did it have anything to do with what you're actually doing today? Well, that's a that's a great question, Eva. Um, so my year, early years in high school were a little bit unremarkable. I wasn't a terrific student in my early years. And so it certainly uh, challenged the, the thinking as to what I would do later on. But a move to a different town in my last two years of high school sort of changed, changed the name of the opportunities available to me. So I went from sort of being a mediocre student to, to being one that graduated near very near to the top of the class. And so so it so off to Queen's Commerce I, I went and I tried to look at what were the hardest opportunities and what were the hardest jobs uh, you know um, that were presented to me. And in that day, 
graduating from Queens Commerce, one of the hardest jobs to get into was investment banking, mm. particularly uh, for for a woman, as 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 many females at that time were not really interested in that career set. And tell me about how you got started in banking. And in that process, I'm also curious to know if there were any role models. So you just mentioned that, you know, it wasn't an obvious choice for women. And I think it's an industry where women for a long time have been underrepresented. So did you have any female role models that kind of inspired you on that path? Or was it a a different journey to get you there? So what I found is there there weren't a lot of females and a lot of female role models, but what I had to do was, was work really, really hard. And so I remember while I was in investment banking, for example, studying for my CFA, and I tried to take on some of the toughest challenges. And I remember my big break came when there was a big M&A deal and I they asked me, do you know how to do a merger model and a discounted cash flow model? And I actually didn't. Right. But I, what I did is I said, oh, oh, yes, because I had taken the courses, relevant courses at, at Queen's. And off I went to Edmonton to meet with Shaw Communications at the time with an audit bag filled with textbooks so I could learn or reteach myself how to do a discounted cash flow analysis and a, a merger model. And that really changed the game for me. I really, it created more opportunities. And, and as I pause and reflect on that, you know, I often say to young people that are entering their career, don't underestimate that early job and how transformative it can be for the rest of your career. And and more importantly, how important it can be for your ongoing reputation. And and I was very, very fortunate to have a number of male role models at that time and that really were just looking for someone, an analyst that worked hard and did good work. and um, and I, I was that analyst. And mm. to this day, those male role models over 25 years ago, you know, I still have that relationship with them. And mm. so it was really, really valuable in my early years. So that's very interesting because that's a perfect example of male allyship where, you know, uh, it's we we need all genders to support women in the workplace. And in your case, it was indeed uh, male executives who who helped you out. Um, So I love that example. Um, And then tell me about the role that you have now and maybe kind of the milestones that led you to it. And how has your experience as a woman executive been along uh, along that journey? Sure. So, you know, after after working in investment banking, I did go on and do my MBA in Chicago at the University of Chicago and then joined um, McKinsey and became a partner there while, while having three children. And while I was at McKinsey, I worked were with an, a number of partners, but two partners uh, would ask me then to come and join Visa. Mm-hmm. And and I was at Scotiabank at the time. I had a terrific career and, and time at Scotiabank and was responsible. My, my last uh, responsibility there was as their 
the head of retail and small business banking for the international markets. Mm, wow. And after, after spending almost a decade at McKinsey and after spending almost a decade at Scotiabank, but working a fair bit outside of Canada, I, I came to Visa in Canada to lead our operations here because I really wanted to make a difference in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so I, I came to Visa here and I am responsible for our entire business in Canada, strategic direction. I co-lead North America, which, which is the largest region in Visa. It represents over 50% of Visa's revenues. Um, and it's interesting, Visa in Canada, we're the largest payments player by volume. So we play a big role mm-hmm. in ensuring the vibrancy of the payments ecosystem and making sure that we're taking risk out of the ecosystem, such as taking mm-hmm. reducing fraud mm-hmm. and innovating to ensure Canadians have, have new ways to pay. So, um, and, and part of our role also is we play a big role in trying to help Canadian small businesses and particularly Canadian women-owned small businesses. So one example is our She's Next grant mm-hmm. program. And that offers Canadian women-owned small businesses $10,000 each in grant money and one year of business coaching through our partnership with iFund Women. Mm-hmm. And to date, we've over, we awarded over 30 Canadian women-owned small businesses these these grants and and mentorships, which which really is is fantastic in promoting women owned small businesses in Canada. That's wonderful. Congratulations for setting that up. And I'm curious to know uh, how that program led to be created and what kind of conversations. I always love hearing about you know conversations that go on internally. Did you identify that you know there was a, a gap or kind of that extra support needed for women entrepreneurs? Um, I, a lot of a lot of banks support women entrepreneurs, but for for Visa, it seems to be an extra step that you've taken. Yes, it is an extra step. And so globally, what we found is that this was a priority for us. And so we support women-owned businesses in many, many parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, what we found is that small businesses owned by women had trouble getting mentorship and they had Mm -hmm. trouble getting funding. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to step in to support there. We started as one program with doing this program for 10 female-owned Uh, small businesses. And then we were like, wow, there's so much demand and Mm -hmm. such an opportunity in Canada. Uh, We ended up then following it with two more in in fairly quick succession. And it's a program we're going to continue to deliver in Canada, might have different permutations Mm -hmm. over time, uh, but it's it's quite quite important for us. And and it has proven to be quite important in helping women in Canada and the small business community. Again, that's that's wonderful, and I'm glad to hear the the program is successful already. Um, what kind of what kind of responsibility do you feel you have? And you've just given us a great example of leadership in the marketplace, uh, but especially as it comes to women, and it can be women working on your team, women working at Visa, the women entrepreneurs that you're involved with, uh, being a woman executive in a senior role yourself in the banking industry. How does that you know responsibility uh, weigh on you, and how how does it manifest for you? 
Yeah, so at Visa, we're, we're very fortunate because we have over, uh, over 60% of our senior directors and executives are, are, um, are female, are women. That's and wonderful. So we, yeah, we've done a really, really good job at, with respect to uh, female diversity. And mm-hmm. a big, big focus for us is broader diversity, is making sure that we're taking into account broader diversity as well. But what we do is, well, we do quite a number of things, but what we do is we make sure that it's not just representation, mm-hmm. but it's also inclusion. And mm-hmm. so, for example, as I look at my leadership team, when we when we are having strategic discussions or strategic or discussions about issues, who is dominating the conversation? And does that represent the diversity that we want to have uh, driving the conversation? And so I've tried to do a big job in making sure that we have that representation or that inclusion in terms of the conversation, mm-hmm. not just the representation, because that's mm-hmm. really important in helping people uh, get ahead. And then what we also do is we also really work hard to try to pull people up. So identify people at junior levels that have Mm -hmm. potential and seek to purposely move them um, so that they gain that um, those skills to then assume more and more and more senior roles. And we've done that with quite a number of women. And sometimes it means promoting them before they're actually theoretically ready, but Mm -hmm. allow them to continue to grow in the role. That I'm so glad to hear that. And it's great that you actually have uh, programs in place to, to, to support women in that way. Um, what is one thing you wish you knew about banking before entering the industry? And by the same token, what kind of advice would you be giving to, uh, women, but it can be, it can be anyone who is thinking of a career in banking? Yes. So I think the one thing that um, I didn't know before going into the world of finance and and I was an only child and that might be a factor mm-hmm. is I, I never got the memo that that suggested that that women would have a tougher time than men. And that, that at, in, at times you feel that women are not as valued as as men. And so I never got uh, that memo. And so I did have to work really, really hard. I felt in order to ensure there was a level, a level playing field and learn some of those skills. So, um, so I mentioned that I had some terrific, terrific male role models Mm -hmm. as well. Um, but I also had some, some female role models and still do to this day that I would say help helped me along the way. And so, you know, there was one very senior partner I remember at McKinsey and, and she gave me really good advice. And I give this advice all the time. And so she said, you have to have presence in a meeting when you're with senior leaders. And so she said, when you're sitting on a chair, put your arm around the back of the chair. And that allows you to kind of (laughs) Physically expand, yeah. Physically expand, and it allows you to project your voice. Mm -hmm. And she said, make sure you always speak twice in a meeting. Speak once at the beginning and speak once at the end, for example. 
And, and because you want to make sure that you have that presence at a meeting. And it doesn't matter if you're in a meeting with a CEO or any mm-hmm. other executive team, uh, you know, a junior person speaking twice mm-hmm. is not going to upset anyone. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, you're, you're going to cut through and that's, that's really important. And so that was really valuable. It's very simple, but very valuable advice mm-hmm. that allowed me to establish a reputation established presence at a young age. You know, there was a second, there was a second woman uh, that I worked with at Scotiabank who was just terrific. And she took a chance on me in moving into a brand new role that I frankly didn't have the experience to go into, but I knew I could figure it out. And before she had to present me to the executive committee, um, um, it was, it, it was to be the head of marketing for the international business. And she said, by the way, Stacey, do you, do you actually have marketing experience? And I, I actually was didn't have much marketing experience, but I did have a, enough experience that I could cobble together a, a, a pretty compelling story. You know, when I got that job, and it, it it was one of the best jobs that I've ever had, and it was one of the jobs where I was where I learned how to be a leader because mm-hmm. I didn't know the content. I actually had to really learn and mm-hmm. listen and study, and really depend on my team to help me. And so uh, it was a great uh, learning opportunity. And if you'll allow me, the woman that is a great mentor for me today, and and someone I hold in incredible high regard, is uh, Janice Bukakusa. And she's an Order of Canada recipient. Uh, she's on numerous boards. She is uh, the voice and, and is a real advocate for addressing and taking action on racism across Canada. And I really feel that Janice sets the standard for how we as leaders need to behave and what we should aspire to do in as, as Canadians. This season of The Brennis Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women and Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Out of 69% of women surveyed as sole owners of their businesses, financial independence and the flexibility to create one's own future were top motivators for women entrepreneurs across the country. And they're certainly mine also. That's why I'm thrilled that Visa Canada has partnered with us for this episode of The Brand is Female today. Since the launch of Dirt She's Next grant program in collaboration with iFund Women, 30 women entrepreneurs were provided with 10K each in funding and business coaching to help them continue to recover from the pandemic. Are you a woman small business owner yourself? Find out more on how you can get involved in Visa Canada She's Next grant program by visiting ifundwomen.com visa Canada to check out their most recent recipients and how you can support them. 
that's that's such a, a great mentor to have uh, on your team. And that makes me want to ask you, I think, you know, it's it sounds like you've built this amazing network around you, both internally with your organization and uh, outside with other professionals and women executives. Um And often we hear of, you know, men who are very good at, you know, we say deals are always negotiated on the golf course and men kind of have that innate ability to build networks. If they need an investor, they can pick up the phone. And it's often said that it doesn't come as naturally for women or maybe we haven't been, you know, taught to do that as much. So how much of a role does, you know, building that network and the network you have today uh, occupy in, in in your career? And how did you go about building that network over the years? Because I think for a lot of women who are maybe more junior in the workplace, they're often intimidated or, or don't know where to start. Right. So so a couple of things I would say. Uh, number one is you need to develop a, re- a reputation for results. And so doing your job mm-hmm. is, is really, really important and, and really delivering in your job. And I'll, I'll probably come back to that a few, a few times. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of job one, I would say. Um, job two is be seen as someone that adds value. So, for example, I've been in the client service business, business in one shape or form or another. And if you're seen as someone that that has ideas that can help people uh, in their roles, you can give them coaching it goes a long way. It builds trust. It builds a relationship. And I found that throughout my career. I, you know, I was just on the phone with a very senior executive this morning and he, I wasn't prepared to do it, but it, he presented an opportunity for me to just say, here's what you're not doing. That's not going well. And that in giving him that tough feedback, it, it builds a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so be someone that, that adds value. And then I think it's, this is really important is, is, is have, have a natural desire to get to know someone mm-hmm. and, and, and develop a personal relationship. And mm-hmm. what I've found is that, is that almost every single person that you meet in the ecosystem has something really interesting. They have something inspiring about them. They, mm-hmm. You have a common ground. And whether it's, you know, you're ch- you have children that are of a similar age or their children are ahead and you, you inquire about their children, inquire about their lives, what do they do in their free time? And if you, if you genuinely in, are interested in knowing them as a person, that relationship building becomes very, very, very easy. Um, Uh, down the road. So it's something we need to work at. It doesn't come naturally from the start, obviously. Uh, I would say in my early years, it probably didn't come naturally, mm-hmm. but over time uh, it becomes, it becomes much more naturally yeah. where you can feel comfortable going up to anyone in a crowd and just starting a conversation. Mm-hmm. But an easy way for, for younger people to get started is Just go out to lunch with someone or a couple of people that you feel comfortable with so that you can get started and just progress from there. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Um, What is your definition of success today? 
And if I had asked you the same question, maybe 10 years ago or earlier in your career, what would the definition have been the same? Um, that's a great, great question. Um, my definition of success would have something to do with the leaders that you build up and you empower. And one thing that I've always, that's always been important to me is building great teams. Um, and giving people more opportunities and, always thinking about the people before the company. Um, so for example, if, if someone great on your team has a great opportunity, just always think of them first mm -hmm. and what's good for that person um, versus like what you might need to get the job done. Cause you're always going to figure out how to get the job done, mm -hmm. but think about um, uh, the person first. And then, What I would say is you want to make sure as a leader that you're balanced and you're seen as balanced mm -hmm. uh, by your team. And I think this is quite important and not sometimes people really, they look, they're really good at job, the job, but it's not clear that they actually spend the time with their family or yes. that they do stuff outside. And, yeah. and so, so a good leader today is someone that is, is able to empower and bring up people at work and help them succeed, but is also a steward for the community and mm -hmm. giving back in the community, but is also someone that is relatable to people as a, as a parent um, or someone that, that cares for their parents. But mm -hmm. so has that, has that balance across community family and, and work. And you've partly answered my next, my next question, which was going to be, uh, how do you find balance and how much, how much time and energy do you allocate to your personal life? Uh, and what, what's your approach to making that part of just, you know, how you stay grounded in what I imagine is a very busy career that could suck you, that, that could take up all your time and energy if you let it. Yes, that's it's really important, particularly as women, that we manage our energy levels. And mm -hmm. so I would say a, a number of things. One is there are going to be those periods of time where it just feels a bit overwhelming. And I, I know for me as a mom and as someone that's very active in the community, I know those periods of time. They are June and they are September. <laughs> and September, because the kids are starting back at school, there's a ton of meetings. Uh, it's also a heavy time when boards are active. Mm -hmm. It's heavy for planning at work and off-sites and meetings. It's, it's a very busy time. And then June for similar reasons. And so we always have to recognize that, that there are going to be those periods of time where you just have to sort of get through it. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, you want to manage your energy. So be very careful not to overcommit. Mm -hmm. And an example would be, you will always have big demands on your time in the evening. Mm -hmm. And so you'll be invited to this social event for your child's school or for a work event. You will be invited to do this conference and this dinner out. 
And you want to be very careful as to what you say yes to. And mm-hmm. I've had to learn, you know, over time not to overcommit yeah. to those things, particularly in the evening. Um, and then as a leader today, I'm, I'm able to more effectively manage my agenda. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I will do things to recognizing how busy it is to make sure that I don't overcommit in my agenda at work. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that I can make sure that I manage effectively the things that I need to do. Managing your energy level is really important mm-hmm. um, because if you don't manage your energy level, then in times of stress, you can show that stress, right? Mm-hmm. You might show that stress or you might react to something that that you shouldn't you shouldn't react to. And so managing your energy level allows you to have that balance mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. times of, of pretty crazy activity or, or just a very busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all good advice. And then my favorite question to ask my guests on the show would be, what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish they would do less of? And that can be at work, outside work, or, or whatever makes sense. Oh, this is my favorite question. So I have three things that I wish women would do more of. Um, uh, number one is that with this, these new models of working, new hybrid models of working, there's all sorts of different models in existence than when I uh, graduated and grew up in the workforce. When I graduated and grew up from the workforce, you really needed to be five days a week, in the office, in some cases, you had to be at your desk for 7, 730. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when my children were young. Uh, but today, that has really changed. And you have a lot of options for part-time or hybrid models. And so my, my number one th- point that I would encourage young women that are going to these really prestigious, hard-to-get-into schools and programs, Queen's Commerce, McGill Engineering and so forth is, is, is stay in the workforce. Canada mm-hmm. needs you. Uh, we have a productivity problem and, yeah. and we need the best and the brightest. And that includes our best and brightest women. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, as you think about your career and, and your, what children down the road, you know, would encourage you to find one of these models that works for you that allows you to continue to stay in the workforce. So that's, that's number one. Uh, uh, number two is I, I, I would encourage women, as I was saying earlier, to really manage their energy level. And unfortunately we still do work in a, in an age where women do tend to carry more of the workload at home. Mm-hmm. And I really do hope that that will change over time. Um, but, but because of this, because women tend to have more that they have to juggle, they have to even work harder to manage their, their energy level. And, and maybe that means that you have to get some extra support at home, you know, to cut the grass or to Mm. do your gardening or to clean your house, whatever it might be, but try to, try to think about those low value activities Mm -hmm. that you don't need to do and see if you can do them differently. Mm-hmm. And, and the last thing I would say is, is it's really, really important is be an advocate for yourself. If you feel you're not getting paid enough, if you want that promotion, you know, 
really put your hand up in and fight for it. And I do find that women tend to not be as strong of advocates for themselves right. um, as, as, as sometimes their male counterparts are. So I really, really encourage them to do that. Mm. All fantastic advice. Thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom with us. And it was great to hear about your journey. Uh, thank you, Stacey, for making time today. And we'll keep an eye out for what's next with uh, Visa's program that supports women entrepreneurs. Congratulations again for setting that up. And thank oh, you for thank your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Brightest Female today. This episode was brought to you in part by Visa Canada, a longtime supporter of women-owned small businesses. Visa Canada encourages all Canadians to shop local and provide the crucial support small businesses need as they continue to recover from the pandemic. Visit ifundwomen.com visa-canada to learn more about the Cheese Next grant program and support the recipients on Instagram at visa.ca. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.